Welcome to this verse-by-verse Bible teaching from Calvary Queen Creek in Arizona with Pastor Jim Remington. We hope you're blessed by listening. Romans 10.17 says, Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. For more information, please visit calvaryqueencreek.org. If you'd like to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, we'll now get into a study and a word from our sponsor, God himself, on why we're here this morning. We're here for lots of reasons. Praise God. And maybe you came here this morning because you're really anxious. You're really worried. You're really concerned. And and I could see why you might be that way. I have moments of that myself. But because I'm in the word of God every day, not because of you, but for me, for my mental state, for my spiritual state, I know the rest of the story. And that's my prayer for all of us in this room. Be in your Bible from Genesis to Revelation. Just don't handpick scriptures. Don't do Bible roulette. And Bible roulette is where you take your Bible, you let it fall. Oh, this is where God wants me today. And he went out and hung himself. Nah, maybe that's not my verse. Maybe that, no, let me try that again. From Genesis to Revelation, the whole word of God. And you're going to have the peace of God. It just comes with reading the Bible comes with reading the Bible. So our text this morning, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Again, if you're new or visiting, we talked about the Holy Spirit last week. You can get a CD. They're free. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. You know that you are Gentiles, carried away to these dumb idols, however you are led. Therefore I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed. And no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. There are diversity of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. There are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. Father, we're going to continue in our worship of you by settling our hearts our minds, whatever has been taking place, Lord, we want to come and now hear from you. We don't need another Bible study. We need a heart transformation. All of us in this room have issues going on one way or another, minor or major. So we need heart. We need a heart transformation. We need our hearts focused on eternity. This physical is going to pass and it's passing so quickly. We're all going to step into heaven as believers We want to hear those words, well done, thou good and faithful servant. So even this morning, Lord, minister to us individually, minister to our families, minister to us corporately. We want to be in your perfect will in all of these areas. And I pray for the gift of teaching. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. Ignorant means to not know, to not know through lack of information or intelligence. God does not desire us to be ignorant or unlearned about the Holy Spirit and his gifts for us. Yet, if you talk to many Christians, if you really ask them, who is the Holy Spirit? And are there the gifts of the Holy Spirit? Many Christians will not be able to answer those questions effectively. As we studied last Sunday, Christians should be actively seeking after more of the Holy Spirit who gives us the truth and grants us wisdom to live out that truth. Well, 
In these days, you're probably asking yourself like Pilate did when Pilate asked Jesus, what is truth? Pilate lived in a political world. What is truth? Pilate saw the scribes and the Pharisees out of envy bringing Jesus to be crucified. So he looked at Jesus, a Jew, and said, what is truth? I think he was asking out of sarcasm, yet probably really wanted to know, is there a possibility of truth? In politics, in looking at your religious elite, is there a possibility of truth? It's a good question. Well, John 17, 17 says this, Jesus speaking the night before his crucifixion, sanctify them by your truth. Sanctify, set them apart. Set them apart. Your word is truth. We're hearing a lot of things today and like you, just like me, we, we say it on a regular basis in our household now. We're kind of like, is, is that true? Do we really know if that's true? Can we verify if it's true? It is so hard to know what is true. But we can go back to the word and go, this is true. This hasn't changed. So yes, we need to be in, what's, in, in what the mode of what's going on. But first and foremost, we need to know what's going to happen. And we know it's going to happen by being in the word of God. We know that this is true. Psalm 119 and 160 says this, the entirety of your word is truth. From Genesis to Revelation. The, whole, the Holy Spirit inspired the psalmist here to write, the entirety of your word is truth. And every one of your righteous judgments, notice that, endures forever. When we get to heaven, our minds are going to be totally cleared of all of the nonsense of this world, and we're going to say, true and righteous are your judgments. True and righteous are your judgments. True and righteous are your judgments. For all of eternity, true and righteous. The millennial reign of Christ, true and righteous are your judgments. Nobody's going to be going, you know what, Jesus, can I get a second opinion? Do Do we have a Supreme Court around here? Can we we vote somebody in? None of us are going to be saying that. We're going to be saying, true and righteous are your judgments. Because he knows it all. He knows the heart. Now, there are those within as well as without the church who know the truth, but they do not apply the truth. And that's what I mentioned last week. For the next four to six weeks, we're not doing a topical study. We're doing verse by verse. But within a verse by verse, you're going to find topics. And the topic for the next four to six weeks is the Holy Spirit. How are we using the Holy Spirit? Do we believe in the Holy Spirit? Are we submitting our lives to the Holy Spirit? I believe that we should show ourselves wise by applying the truths into our lives and not being ignorant. Again, ignorant to not know. Well, I don't know about the Holy Spirit and I don't know about the gifts. You see, the Corinthians knew the truth that there were gifts available in the body. The Corinthian church knew that. But they were not walking in an orderly fashion. Again, please read chapters 12, 13, and 14. So over the next four weeks, six weeks, however long it takes, you're gonna get the full context of what we're talking about here. And even as I say that, if you've read ahead, you're gonna go, oh yeah, I know what you're talking about. They're not walking in an orderly fashion. You see, they were like immature children with toys instead of mature believers with tools. You see, the Holy Spirit has given us gifts, and, and I, like to, I like using my hands, and so uh, you ladies, forgive me, but it's like, it's the toolbox. It's the toolbox. Claudia doesn't go out and get my toolbox, and I very seldom get in the cabinet. 
I open the refrigerator. I go, where's the mustard? I don't see it. And she'll walk over. It's right here. Well, I could do that with my tools. You know, she can go out in the toolbox. I don't know what it is. By the way, what is it? So the Holy Spirit has a toolbox and and the gifts are in the toolbox. They're free. They're free to any believer who will ask. But we don't even know where the toolbox is or if there is a toolbox because we have not taken the time to learn the truth. And so I want to emphasize this even today. Not only they, but many Christians today are immature children with toys. And you'll see what I'm talking about as we continue in the verses here, instead of being mature believers with tools. So Paul is writing to encourage this young church to grow in wisdom by applying the truth into their lives, as well as into the overall operation of the local church. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. You know that you were Gentiles. So again, if you're new to the Bible, there's two groups of people, even today, Jew and Gentile. If you don't have Jewish blood, you're a Gentile. That's just the way it is. And so as you read your scriptures, that's very important because you might go, I wonder if that applies to me. It applies to you. If you're not a Jew, you're a Gentile. That you were Gentiles carried away to these dumb idols, however you were led. Now, before we get insulted, the word dumb there, it means voiceless or mute. Voiceless or mute. So if we place anything above God, it's not pointing us to God. Even the word we don't place above God. God created the word, and God is the word. Jesus is the word, but we don't place it above God. God is still God. And so the Christians at Corinth were raised in an environment that encouraged the worship of idols. See if this sounds like any of us today in this world we're living in. Unfortunately, you guys probably heard about it. If you didn't, there was a rock concert and eight people died at this rock concert because when the star came out, the idol came out, people rushed to the stage. They, they literally pushed each other. And if you haven't been in a rock concert, a large crowd, I've been in a crowd of 250,000 people. And when people start moving, as we were moving to go to this rock concert during the middle of the night to get in, you could not stop. If you stopped, you were going to get trampled. You were going to get run over. You were going to get trampled. So you dared not stop. You just kept moving and moving and moving and moving until finally everyone stopped. Well, unfortunately, that's what happened. The people behind them were moving to the stage, inching, 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 inching. And the people caught were either trampled or literally suffocated to death at this concert, at this idol worship concert. This is still applicable to us today. What are we placing above God? People, kids, grandkids, cars, hobbies, careers? You see, as unbelievers, the enemy was able to easily lead them astray into the practice of worshiping false gods. It's so easy. But now as Christians, you Corinthians, as Christians, they can look back and acknowledge that fact. Notice what Paul says. You know that you are Gentiles carried away to these voiceless idols. However you were led, whatever that looked like. Therefore, I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit, capital S, so Holy Spirit of God, calls Jesus accursed. And no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by 
the Holy Spirit. I think there are two possibilities here. Since proclaiming that Jesus was not the Christ by the religious elite of the Jews, they were saying that he was cursed for stating that he was. There are plenty of people, Jews as well as Gentiles, that refused to acknowledge that Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah, the Anointed One, God coming forth in human flesh. They were either still looking for the Christ, as they are today in Israel, they're still looking for the Messiah. He will be the Antichrist, who I believe is alive. Or they're still worshiping their false idols. Jesus was just another man who tried to lead the people astray. Or more probable, as we look at 12, 13, and 14. Since the church at Corinth was practicing the use of the gifts, there were those who had the gift of tongues. Maybe they were thinking, if I don't know what I'm saying, I might end up blaspheming the name of Jesus. And again, please read 12, 13, and 14, because as I share, you're going to be lost if you don't. I have the gift of tongues. I received the gift of tongues 43 years ago. I've asked for interpretation of tongues. I've never received the interpretation of what I'm saying. But I still pray in tongues. I don't pray above everyone else because that would be inappropriate, especially on a Sunday morning, according to 1 Corinthians 14. So I pray to myself, and you'll find, if you read your Bible, that's the only gift. It's the only gift for self-edification. It's the only gift for self-edification. It strengthens you. It strengthens you. So you should be praying for the gifts and praying for the gift of tongues. Now, if you don't have that, you don't get mad. You're not a lesser Christian. None of that ridiculous nonsense stuff. Just keep praying and see what God does. If he wants to give it to you, he will. If he doesn't, he doesn't. You'll see as we go through the scriptures, not everyone had the gift of tongues. But they might, that's most likely what was going on. You know, I'm praying in tongues. I don't know what I'm saying. I could be blaspheming the name of Jesus. You see, the enemy used this opportunity of immaturity to bring insecurity into their lives. Why? Fear can neutralize faith. Fear can neutralize faith. And the enemy often will use earthly feelings to cause fear. You see, for us today, we are so blessed to have the whole counsel of God so we can go over the facts of the word. Here are some simple facts. We know from the scriptures, as we mentioned last week, that the Holy Spirit dwells within the Christian. We know that Christians should be asking for more of the Holy Spirit. We also know that the Spirit's role is to testify of Jesus. There's many other facts, but now that we know these simple facts, these few facts that are found in the Word, and we know them to be true, we can ask ourselves a simple question. Would the Holy Spirit ever speak against Jesus? No. It's a rhetorical question because it has rhetorical means an obvious answer. No, the Holy Spirit would never speak against Jesus. So I don't have to fear, even though I don't have the gift of interpretation of what I'm saying, because as you read your whole Bible, you'll come to understand it it can't happen. So I'm going to be foolish enough and childlike enough, not childish, but childlike enough to believe the word of God and to practice what God has given to me. And I encourage you to do the same. Not childish, as we're addressing this issue here, the the, the believers in Corinth were being childish. Jesus said, unless you receive the faith like a child, childlike faith. Well, I don't understand. So? Well, I don't get it. So? 
Well, I just don't believe. Oh, there, there's the issue, really. There's the issue. You just don't believe that God could do such a thing. Go back to reading your Bibles. You see, Paul is educating them about the Holy Spirit and that the Holy Spirit will only glorify Jesus and only proclaim this simple truth, yet profound truth. Jesus is the Messiah. He is the Christ. He is the anointed one. He is the Son of God. Verse 4, there are diversity of gifts, but the same Spirit. Very important, capital S, only one Holy Spirit. You're going to see in verse 4, 5, and 6 here, diversities, differences, diversities. Notice that in verse 4, 5, and 6, that, those words. Different, diversities, differences, diversities. They're only used three times right here in the New Testament. And they are, it's defined as distinction or variety. Distinction or variety. So as you read these next three verses, you want to have that in your head. Even though it says diversities, differences, diversities, what's it saying? It's saying distinction or variety. I'll explain it further in a few moments. As we are going to see in just a few verses, there are a variety of gifts. But even though there's a variety of gifts... There is only one gift giver, the Holy Spirit. Again, as we're studying this simple thing, I encourage you, it's not simple, it is very, very deep, that you should be able to explain who the Holy Spirit is and what does he bring to the table. Why do we need the Holy Spirit? He's the only one who brings the gifts to us. Very, very important. You see, that is the distinction that Paul is going to teach the Corinthians. Please note, the variety of gifts are not about the people who make up the church. They are not about the people who make up the church, but about the spirit who was and is instructing them to edify the church. Verse five, of ministries. The word ministries here is attendance, such as a servant, Okay, distinction or variety, remember that. So of ministries, attendance, such as a servant, there are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. Now within the variety of gifts, there's a variety of people or servants. Not one servant can do all the ministry. If you attended the the harvest uh, outreach that we had here just a week ago, oh my goodness, so many volunteers, so much ministry was taking place. It is a group, or what Paul is going to stress later on, a body effort. You see, the Lord Jesus had all of the gifts. He had all of the gifts. And is the only one who ever could proclaim such. Again, it's not, it is not about how I serve. This is what has, has caused fear in so many people's lives in the church. They see somebody do something or say something, draw attention to themselves, and, they, and, and then that enemy plants that thought in their mind. You don't want to be like them, do you? No, no, I don't want to be like them. I'm not going to ask for the Holy Spirit. No, 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 I want that. It's not about how I serve, drawing attention to myself, but who I serve. Being humble and willing to serve even behind the scenes if necessary. Even as Jesus did. The night before he was crucified, washed 24 stinky feet because nobody else would do it. He washed Judas's feet, the one who was going to betray him that night 
and Jesus knew he was going to betray him, but he still washed his feet. Example for us, guys. So it's not about how I serve. Look at me, look at me, look at me. I have the gift of administration. No, 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 no. It's who I'm serving. Am I doing it in a sense of humility? Verse six, and these are, and there are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all and all. Of activities there means an effect. An effect. And did you notice something in those three verses there? Big picture theology, did you notice something? The triunity of the Godhead, or what's commonly called the Trinity, you will find it throughout scriptures. You have the Holy Spirit in verse four, you have Jesus in verse five, you have God and the Father in verse six. The triunity of the God or the Trinity. You see, God has given us a variety of gifts to be delivered by a variety of servants. Let's look at Philippians. Well, no, we got another slide first. Which have a variety of effects, but bring us to the same conclusion. I'm gonna say that again because I messed you up. God has given to us a variety of gifts to be delivered by a variety of servants which have a variety of effects but bring us to the same conclusion. You see, God desires to mature us individually as well as corporately and that's why we're gonna do this in-depth study of the Holy Spirit. If we do not do this in-depth study of the Holy Spirit, then the rest of it is useless. Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing. Jesus said that, not me. Was he talking about brushing your teeth? No, he was talking about eternal things. So if you want to do anything eternal, if I want to do anything eternal, I've got to ask the Holy Spirit. I need the Holy Spirit. I have to be moving in the work of the Holy Spirit. Otherwise, if I'm doing something, have you guys ever heard this expression? Raise your hand if you've heard this expression. I got burned out. Anybody ever hear that expression? Raise your hand high so that people can see that they're not alone. Now let me ask you another question. And maybe you've said it yourself. Can you burn out the Holy Spirit? Impossible. People get burned out when they're doing works in the flesh. Well, you know, Sunday school needs workers, so I I can't take a break. No one will take my spot. I can't leave. These kids will go to hell if I'm not here. So they grumble and complain and kick and as they're coming in the Sunday school door. Man, what, the kids are getting a lot out of you, aren't they? Take a break, please. Because you're not getting any reward for doing that. God sees the heart and you are getting no reward whatsoever. So this applies even to us individually. We need to mature enough to realize, hey, you know what, I need to take a rest. I can't burn out the Holy Spirit, but I am getting tired physically. There's nothing wrong with saying that. Nothing at all. Take a break. God's got it. Just don't retire. Take a break, but just don't retire. There's no such thing as Christian retirement, ever. Never seen in the scriptures. Let's look at Philippians 2, 12 through 13. Very quickly. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed. So Paul is writing to the believers in Philippi. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed. And again, if you're new to the Bible, the team does a great job. The little white rectangle shows you where you're gonna find it in your Bible. And then, so you just shoot back to those pages. There's two books before, two books after. You get close, you're gonna zero in on it. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only. Oh, Paul's coming. We better straighten up. I love it. Pastor shows up. Pastor's here, we better. What were you guys doing before I showed up? That's kind of weird. It's kind of really weird. What were you doing? 
<laughs> but now, much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Aha! See, you have to work to get saved. No, mature, grow up, Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. And then continue reading your Bible because the next verse tells us what? For it is God who works in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. As you look up the word work out there, it means to render, to, to allow, f- to fashion. So it's a picture of the clay and the potter putting the clay on the wheel and the wheel spinning. And I can, I'm just letting God mold me and shape me into who he wants me to be. As Timothy talks about, a vessel that's worthy of the master's use. So I don't have to get on the wheel. I can be off the wheel. I can set myself on the shelf. I got saved. I don't want to do anything. I, I just want to get to heaven. I'll be happy if I get to heaven. Okay, yeah, you're on the shelf. That's your choice. Or you can get on the wheel and say, God fashioned me. It's going to hurt. It's going to be uncomfortable. But I want to work out my salvation. What do you want me to do for you, God? That's what it's talking about. How do you want me to serve? How do you want me to serve? Did you get born again just to get served? If you did, you're not reading your Bible. We don't get born again just to get served. Now, we will get served, but we got born again to serve. As you read your Bibles, you will learn this. We're, called, we're all called to serve. So how about the gift of prophecy or teaching of the word? Let's use a typical Sunday morning service at a Bible-believing fellowship as an example here. So prophecy, the gift of prophecy. And the gift of prophecy today is not uh, foretelling. We have the word of God. There's no more word of God. We're not going to add the word of God. It's more forthtelling, taking the word of God and speaking forth the word of God. That's, that's typically prophecy today. So in the children's ministry, there might be a servant teaching about God's goodness, comforting, comforting the children about his care for them. In the junior, senior high, there may, might be a servant exhorting, exhorting the young adults to share their faith with their classmates. In the adult service, there might be a servant teaching the word of God, which causes someone to sense conviction, conviction of the Holy Spirit. You see, in all three situations, there was the gift of prophecy taking place, or forth-telling, teaching the word of God. With three different servants being used, right? Sunday school teacher, junior high, high school teacher, adult teaching, with three different possible effects, yet with one purpose in mind. What's that? Christian maturity. Christian maturity. That's the goal, Christian maturity. So this is what the gifts are all about. I'm trying to give you a big picture on a typical Sunday morning that is one example that that, that takes place. Verse seven, back in Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter seven. But the same manifestation... Of the Spirit, again, notice, do you guys see an emphasis here at all? Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit. Because last week and maybe this week you're going, I don't know why we're focusing on the Holy Spirit. Aren't we just supposed to focus on Jesus? Well, if we're only supposed to focus on Jesus, why did the Holy Spirit put three chapters in here about the Holy Spirit? And why did God allow that? And Jesus said, yeah, that's okay, do that. Because we need to learn about the Holy Spirit. Because if we don't have the Holy Spirit, if we're not moving of the Holy Spirit, we can do nothing. Don't blame me. Look to Jesus. But the manifestation of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, 
is given to each one for the profit of all. And you might go, well, you know, those words of all are, are italicized, so uh, they were placed in there by the translator, so it's not in the original, so it doesn't, what you're saying is not true. Read chapters 12, 13, and 14. Don't pick apart something that's obvious. That's why the translators put that in there, although it wasn't in there, because it's obvious as you read the text. It's for the profit of the church, not for the profit of the individual. That's why they put it in there. So important. So the word manifestation is exhibition, exhibition, or figuratively expression. Let me read it again. But the exhibition, but the expression of the Spirit is given to each one. Does it say, but the expression is only given to the pastor, to the elder, to the deacon, to the super spiritual, to the one that didn't sin this past week? Does it say any of that? Hello? Does it say any of that? No. What does it say? To each one. Each one of who? Who's Paul writing to? Believers in the church. You have a gift given to you specifically by the Holy Spirit. Do you know what that gift is? Don't feel embarrassed. Don't be ashamed. I'm exhorting you. I'm challenging you. Find out what that gift is. We have a gift inventory in the lobby. It's a paper. It's got about five or six sheets to it. You could take one, um, maybe one per family, uh, and you can do the numbers on different sides of the paper. You can take your own paper and do it. It's going to ask you questions. You're going to give yourself a score that has definitions of the gifts in the back, and you can see where your bent is toward. What's your bent? We all have a bent. Like a tree, you have a bent. How are you bent? What, what do you use that you can go, oh, wow, and here I thought that was just me and my wonderful personality and you can go no that was God and he was being lovingly merciful with you and not slapping you upside the head no it was just God giving you a gift so when we say he's really doing such and such for the Lord is it an outward evidence that the Holy Spirit is working inwardly and please notice not working inwardly for the benefit of that one person but for the building up of the body the word prophet word prophet there in verse seven it's to bear together to help you see we often think profit yeah i'd like to make a profit in the stock market in my savings yeah i'd like to profit and what does that profit do who does it benefit me yeah i like that me says to bear together so it's not about me it's about the church it's about helping others and it means to help not to help yourself to help others, to help others. So every believer within the body of Christ has the Holy Spirit prompting them to exercise their gift or gifts, because you could receive more than one gift, for the edifying or the building up of the church. You see, it appears from Paul's admonition in these chapters, again, what chapters? 12, 13, and 14. That the believers at Corinth were practicing the gifts for their own edification look at me look at me I've got a word from the Lord look at me or promoting themselves instead of building up the body you see that attitude that look at me attitude will develop into pride very quickly 
and has brought about the disqualification of many over the years. No, the gifts must be received and exercised in humility, knowing it is the Holy Spirit who gives them. Guys, I never get up here on a Sunday morning. Never have I. And I never will get up anywhere. I have the privilege of teaching the Bible in various places. I never get up and say, I've got this. Wait till you guys hear my study. I have never said that, and I never will say that. It's not me. It's the Holy Spirit who will use this knucklehead every now and then to proclaim the word of God. You have to remember it's never about you. Never. Because if you don't, God will stop using you. God will stop using you. No one is ever going to be glorified except for God. And if we don't glorify God, you're about, you're on, you didn't put yourself on the shelf, I put you on the shelf. Because no one's going to touch my glory, son. No one, daughter. No one's going to touch my glory. You see, we've entered into an area that should generate in the heart of every Christian great interest. And I pray that, that's my prayer for you this morning. I, I pray that you're really getting interested about this. Not just, I can't wait till this is over. Mm. Unfortunately, over the centuries, it has caused fear more than interest. You see, the gifts of the Holy Spirit should be as important and fundamental to our Christian walk as eating and drinking is to our daily lives. Is our country possessed with the way we take care of our bodies? Nah, just a billion-dollar industry. We got whole buildings that will house everything we need to take care of ourselves. And does it, does, does it help? Yeah, for some. For a majority, nah. Obesity is still a big problem in America. Big, big problem. See, Jesus made this very last statement just before his ascension in Acts 1.8. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. What were these guys doing before the Holy Spirit came upon them? They were saved. You can get the study from last week. They were saved. But what were they doing? Peter said, hey, I'm kind of bored. You guys want to go fishing? Yeah, let's go fishing, Peter. That's a good idea. They went back to the Galilee. Let's go fishing. No, that's not a good idea. Now, if you need fish to eat, that's a good idea. But Jesus said, wait in Jerusalem. Wait, wait, wait. And then they did. He said this on day 40. They finally heard, listen, okay, we'll obey. We'll stay here. And then on Pentecost, 10 days later, the Holy Spirit came upon them. You see, as we've already mentioned, it is the Holy Spirit who gives us the power to be witnesses to those who are around us. This power is not self-generated, nor gained through earthly experience. The Holy Spirit and his power is supernatural and given to us by God and can use our earthly experience to help us minister to someone else, but it always comes back to the Holy Spirit, to the Holy Spirit. Very, very important. So as we think about the Holy Spirit giving to each believer the gifts, it is very important to remember that gifts are not talents. We have to make sure we emphasize this. There are many people who do not have the Holy Spirit dwelling within them, yet they have tremendous natural talents given to them at birth. But apart from being born again, they cannot have the gifts of the Holy Spirit because the gifts are supernatural. And what I find interesting about talents versus the gifts is that Christians as well as non-Christians will spend hours, getting ready to wrap it up, listen to this very important analogy, will spend hours practicing and developing 
their natural talents. Hours practicing and developing their natural talents. Most of the time, these natural talents do not empower them to focus on the eternal plane, but only satisfy them on the earthly plane. Wouldn't it be better as Christians to practice or learn to develop the spiritual gifts so that we might be supernaturally empowered now? Here's the analogy. Someone might say, well, you know, let's not get fanatical about this now. You sound like you're going down the road of Pentecostals or hyper-Pentecostals, whatever it might be. You know, I, I, I don't want to be weird. I don't, I don't want, funny things might happen here. Let me ask you this question. Anybody, anybody watch a football game? Who's watched any sports recently? Anybody watch sports recently? Raise your hand high. Don't be afraid. Nobody's going to get stoned here. If not, feel free to watch a football game today. At some point. Have any of you guys seen adults painting their bodies, the team's colors? And they wear these really maybe weird hats or other outfits. And on national television, they'll be yelling and screaming in the end zone just to get a picture of them. And they're so excited that they got on the national television. They might be Christian, they might not. I'm using that analogy to paint a picture of what we'll do sometimes, but when we're encouraged or exhorted to, to test out the Holy Spirit, we're kind of like, oh, no, 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 no. No, I'd rather be a fool <laughs> along with the other fools than be a fool for Jesus. God's going to not gonna make you a fool. You know, they'll yell at the referees like he's going to change his mind or something. Yeah, I've never seen a referee change the mind. It's done. He said it, it's done. It's, it's, it's over. Now, if we as Christians would only direct that much energy towards the Lord, we'd have a powerful influence upon this world. People are going to hell, guys, as the music team comes up. People are going to hell. Please don't kid yourself. They took the Bible out 60 years ago. We're coming up on 60 years of taking prayer and the Bible out of school. We're coming up on 50 years of abortions. Has it gotten better? No, because now they've developed an abortion pill. Where in the privacy of your own home, if you find out you're pregnant, you can take this pill and you can kill the baby that's within your womb and flush it down the toilet after you give birth. Most women have no idea what they're doing. And some will end up in the ER room from complications, and some will die. That's a fact. Some will die. Have we improved? That just shows us that we need Jesus, guys, that we need more of the Holy Spirit to reach out to these people who think they're doing something right when it's absolutely wrong. And fortunately, there are some women... And we support a group that works with these women who will call and say, I've made a mistake, I need help. And they will get them the help to reverse the effects of that pill and they have brought forth a healthy human being. Praise God. But guys, we're Christians, we're ambassadors for Christ. This week, ask the Holy Spirit to give you the strength to use your gift, whatever that gift might be. Administration, 
exhortation, comfort, whatever it might be, prophecy, whatever it might be. I don't know what you're talking about. That's sad. You're ignorant. You're unlearned. Get learned. I'm not beating you up. I'm not mocking you. I'm not putting you down. I'm just saying get, I hope this is strong enough for you, get learned. Don't walk around ignorant. I don't want that for you, and I don't think you want that for me. I don't, want that you think you, I don't think you want me up here teaching you the Bible ignorantly. I think you expect me every Sunday to come up here and to teach you something that I've learned and helped apply it to your lives. I expect the same of you. I expect you to learn more about the Holy Spirit, that we might have an impact out there. Because apart from the Holy Spirit, we can do nothing of eternal value. Father, we thank you and praise you for the morning. We thank you, Lord, that you want to use us. And Lord, I pray that this teaching does across, come across as I'm beating anybody up, because I'm not. I, I, just, I just know that we, according to your word, we, we can't advance the kingdom apart from your Holy Spirit. So I pray that this comes across in, in a tough love, that we can't sit on the sidelines anymore. We can't be on the shelf. It's two steps forward, one step back in the evil world, in the spiritual world. Lord, we've got to be in the battle. We have to be. Whatever that plays out, however that plays out, individually, corporately, we have to be in the spiritual battle. So Lord, I pray for every believer in this room this morning that they would take this to heart and they would find out what their spiritual gift is and they would learn about the other gifts. That as you give those gifts, and it might only be a one-time thing, but as you give that gift for that occasion to have that effect, that we'd be open to that gift. And we'd allow your Holy Spirit to use it in our lives. You will never ask us to do anything weird, per se, goofy, per se. You have a purpose behind your Holy Spirit doing us, causing us to do something. And it's to bring somebody to Jesus or help them to mature. So, Lord, use us for your glory this week in our mission field, however that looks, whatever that looks like. Use us for your glory. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Thank you for listening to this teaching from God's Word. If you have any questions, would like to request prayer, or want more information about our church and how you can experience the love and hope of Jesus Christ in your life, please visit calvaryqueencreek.org.